God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Lord, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Lord, open our lips that our mouths shall show forth our praise. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. May we stand together, please, and join in singing hymn number 264, At the Cross. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I at the cross? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sign, and now was it for crimes that I have done? Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon amazing pity, amazing pity, grace unknown and love. at the cross where I first saw the light rode away it was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the Our scripture reading this evening, it comes from Paul's second letter to Timothy. In its fourth chapter, we find these words. I can't impress this on you too strongly. God is looking over your shoulder. Christ himself is the judge with the final say on everyone, living and dead. He is about to break into the open with his room. So proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch, challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep. It's simple. The word of God for the people of God. Let us go to God in prayer. Eternal God, our Father, once again, we thank you that you have brought us together one more time. We thank you for all the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us just this day. This day. And God, as we come, as we have gathered here at 185 Eddie Robinson Senior Drive, you know our purpose. God, we pray that you would come in our midst, take control of all that is said done here tonight. We pray, oh God, that you would bless these two preachers let them down in the deep mysteries of your treasures. Give them a word that would change lives and edify those who are already 
in the walk. We pray now that you would continue to bless our pastor. Keep him in your care. Strength them on every week and lean inside. We thank you for what you've already done. And we thank you for what you're going to do. Bless this worship experience. Make it to be all that you would have it to be. Then, Lord, when traveling days are done, receive us in your kingdom. We'll praise you throughout eternity. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we've shared over the last two weeks, uh, Fresh Fire, prophetic preaching for perilous times, is grounded in an understanding that transformative and liberational preaching emerges from the context of prophetic consciousness. That being a perspective that prepares the way for God's love, mercy, and justice to rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. In a world that is more comfortable with 1% of the population holding 95% of the wealth, there is a need for prophetic preaching. In a world that puts the political concerns of the NRA over the safety and peace of mind of elementary and middle school and high school aged children who just want an opportunity to learn, there is a need for prophetic preaching. In a world where black and brown and poor people are quickly becoming um, an endangered species due to renewed attempts to eradicate uh, access to health care, the proliferation of the police state, and the expansion of the prison industrial complex, there is a need for prophetic preaching. So in the words of Dr. Marvin McMickle, he says, in every generation, the business of prophetic preaching is to confront the great moral and ethical issues that confound the world and to confront them from the perspective of the moral authority of scripture. As the church, we can't lose sight of the wider dimension of the gospel that Jesus talked about when he preached, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So tonight, Minister Philip Broussard and Minister Myra Miller Jenkins will come in their own way and in their own individual authentic voices under the unction of the Holy Spirit to bring fresh fire, preaching prophetic sermons for our current perilous times. We ask that you would pray with them and pray for them as they declared, what saith the Lord? And the church said together, amen. 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 Now let us stand for our hymn of preparatory praise, uh, hymn of preparation, uh, Father I Stretch. Father I Stretch. Father, I, I stretch my hand to Thee. No. 
Father, I stand as an empty vessel, a pitcher ready to be filled from a word from on high. First of all, God, I just want to say thank you because you've been mighty good. You've been awesome, God, and, and God, you're so amazing that when we don't do what you say to do our acts, God, you still find it in you to forgive us and bless us, not because, but in spite of. Oh, yeah. Now, God, I, I ask for your Holy Spirit to come in and thus says the Lord, because it's not about me and it's not about anyone but you. I, I ask that you would hide me behind the cross where they'll see all of you and none of me. And I'm going to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Can we say amen? amen. Yeah. I, I've already told a musician, and uh, my wife told me, saying, now look, preach, don't sing. She ain't here. So she don't need. Let me just do one verse of this. Victory is mine, victory is mine, victory today is mine. I told, told Satan, get thee behind, victory today is mine. Say that one more time. Victory is mine, victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Amen. Just kind of get the, get the juices flowing. You know? yeah. yeah, I know it's raining on the outside, but we're going to have church. Like the old folks say, we're going to have church. Yeah, yeah. First of all, giving honor to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God thought it, Jesus wrought it, and the Holy Spirit brought it. And to my pastor, it's good that you made it out tonight. You know, uh, Terry Bynum and I, we bump heads every Sunday after the pastor gets through preaching. Me talking about, that's my pastor. I said, no, that's my pastor. Look, that's my pastor. I said, well, you can have him at 8. I'll have him at 11. But we, we love you, Pastor. And it's an all good, clean fun. And to his lovely wife, the Reverend Demetrius John Smith, our Rabani. You know, the Bible says a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. I don't like that word thing, but that's what the Bible's saying. I can't contradict it. But then, Pastor, I've been, look, I've been looking from, from the front of the Bible to the back of the Bible to find out where to say something about when a woman finds a husband. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, you know, <laughs> I cook, I clean, I, I wash the clothes. I mean, I run everything in my house, vacuum cleaner, dishwasher, the washing machine, everything. Yeah, but God is good, though. God is good. And, and I want to thank all my, my, my God talkers here, the uh, fellow yokesmen in the gospel, for, for sharing this, this sacred platform each and every Sunday. And then to you, my Shiloh family. You know, God has been good. You know, he, he took me through a lot of things. Uh, you know, I, I got a good wife, too, Pastor. You know, and I was looking for Florence because when I preached my Genesis sermon, I told him, you know, my wife is here to support me, and she's the love of my life. You know, after four tries, I finally got it right. 
you know, you know, the old folks say three strikes, y'all, but I'm a real ball player, four balls and I walk. <laughs> yeah. And when y'all see Florence Teller, the love of my life, we've been together 30 something years, she still make my liver quiver, my knees freeze and my heart skip a beat. Let's get to the word of God. We'll find, amen, amen, amen. I'm just doing a little housework. In Matthew's Gospel, 7, chapter the 21st verse, when you now say amen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Not everyone. That's my subject for tonight. Let us go back in time, the year probably between A.D. 60 and 65. The book of Matthew, one of the apostles and former tax collector, Matthew wrote primarily for Jewish readers and for the people of today. His purpose to prove that Jesus was the promised Messiah, not to show that God offers recovery to anyone through him. Matthew emphasized the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy in the person of Jesus Christ, making this gospel the connecting link between Old and New Testament. I like to put it this way, the New Testament hidden in the Old Testament being revealed in the New Testament. Let me say that again. The New Testament hidden in the Old Testament being revealed in the New Testament. What are you saying, preacher? In the Old Testament, God met with Adam and Eve and the snake. And a promise was made in the Old Testament that he would send someone that would crush the head of the serpent and his seed. Now watch this. In the New Testament, what was revealed in the Old Testament came to fruition in the New Testament in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who should ever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. There are two important points to this message. Not everyone, and the second is the will of God. You know, when I was in, in high school, in grade school, I would apply for the position on the team and go and check the list and, and find my name not on the list. How disappointing it is when you try out for the team and your name was not on the list. We may act and do what we see others do. We work hard at trying to fit in only to find ourselves not making it in. Not everyone. Jesus tells us not all who sound religious are really godly people. Those who appear to be godly people in actuality may not be at all. The Pharisees and Sadducees were those kind of people who walk and talk like godly people but knew nothing about God and his will for godly living. Let us not be fooled thinking all we have to do is do what we see others who call themselves people of God if they don't know the word of God or even take time to study the word of God, you don't see them at Bible study or Sunday school where the word of God is being taught. You see, in teaching, we find instruction, the will of God. In preaching, the inspired word of God, not everyone. Be careful who you follow. They may act and look the part, but are they living their lives according to the will of God. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, their cry of Lord, Lord reflects fervency. In Jesus' days, it is doubtful whether Lord, when used to address him, meant more than teacher or sir. But in the post-resurrection period, it becomes an application of worship and a confession of Jesus' deity. Therefore, some suspect an anarchism here. Two factors support authenticity. The first, the parallel in Luke 6 and 46, also John 13, 
12 and 16, the fact that throughout Jesus' ministry, he referred to himself in relatively bare categories whose full sign convinced only to be grasped after the resurrection. The determining factors regarding who enters the kingdom is obedience to the Father's will. This is the first use of my Father in Matthew's. As such as it made the sermon that Jesus all alone claims be the authoritative revealer of his Father's will. Which leads me to the second part, the will of God which can be found in 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, the third verse. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. This same Paul here in Thessalonians was in Romans 12 and 2, where he tells the Romans, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. Your sanctification here we find Paul over in Ephesians 5 and 27 dealing with the matter of sanctification. For it is shameful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. In other words, have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness, but rather expose them. Another will of God that Paul deals with is that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Mm. I know that don't sit well with too many. In other words, no wed, no bed. As hard as it may seem, your body does not belong to you. It was bought and paid for by the precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Way back some thousands of years ago, on a hill on a cross, on our behalf, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. The will of God and his desire is that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness, not everyone. I decided not to be a part of that not everyone list by doing another will that can be found in the last chapter of Matthews where the Lord tells us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end. Not everyone will make the list. There is another list. The one is found in the Lamb books of life. When all have done what it says in Romans 10 and 9, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. See, I made it a point to get on that list by making Jesus my Lord and my Savior. For he died for me and for you. They took him out on an old rugged cross and they nailed his hands and his feet on the cross. But I'm here to tell you that it was not the nails that kept him on the cross. It was the love of God. For it says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who should ever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, like my former pastor used to say, thank God that I'm a whosoever, and you are whosoever, and you are wholesoever. But then there's another word in that passage of Scripture that says so. It's a small word, but it carries a significant meaning. For God so loved Moses that when he killed an Egyptian shoulder, God found him on the backside of the desert, 
and made him a leader. There's another soul by the name of David, the one who committed adultery and slept with another man's wife, had the man killed, but God so loved David that he made him a king. There was another soul by the name of Saul. Paul, y'all know him? Saul committed Christian martyrship, but God so loved him that he found him on the backside of a, of a horse and he caused him to be blind and see. And his name changed from Saul to Paul. But there's another one in the Bible by the name of Philip. You see, he, I, I wasn't on the horse, but he found me on the bar stool at Mariko's one Thursday night. And he changed my life from that point on. I gave my Bible up for a Bible. And see, he promised me that he would live with me, that he would hold me up and he would keep me on the battlefield. For I love the Lord. He heard my cry. I love the Lord. He put running in my feet, singing in my voice, put a new joy in my heart. I would never leave him. I am set to do his bid. Don't you know that God is all right? He is a burden bearer. He is a heavy load sharer. He is a way out of no way. He's a heart fixer and a mind regulator. He's a bridge over troubled waters. He's a rock in a weary land. He's all and all sufficient God. He shed his blood for me. He died on Calvary. He died on Calvary. He locked his head in his arms. He told his father, it is finished. But it didn't stop there. They took him down off the cross. They put him down in a borrow tomb. They laid him down in the tomb. He stayed there all night Saturday. He stayed there all day Saturday. He stayed there all night Saturday night. But it didn't stop there. He got up. He got up. He got up. So oh, you can get up. So oh, you can get up. So oh, you can get up. And he all right. Like Emmanuel said, I know he's all right. I know he's all right. Jesus, Jesus, he's able, 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 able. Ain't he good? Ain't he good? Don't you love him? He did it for you. He hung there. He's all right. He's all right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't have to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You placed my feet on solid ground. You took my body and turned me around and started me on a new journey so I can be on the list. So I can make the list. Ain't he all right? He's good. He's good. I hate to see what it would be like without Jesus in my life. I love you, Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its word. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Won't you say that? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You've been so good. I thank you because in spite of, I want to make that list 
And it's only through the blood of Jesus that I will make it in. And I give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. God bless you. God keep you is my prayer. In obedience to the triune God, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the precious Holy Spirit, our comforter and guide. For in him we live, move, and have our being. To my pastor, Fred Jeff Smith, to Reverend Dimitri Jones Smith, to my co-laborers in the ministry, to the officers and members of Shiloh Baptist Church, and to all the saints of God and to those who are visiting us and sinners, if we have any. Let me say before I get started, I want to thank these associate ministers and my pastor. I thank you for the love and the support. Um, God has brought me this way. And I thank you for your kindness that you have shown to me. And I look forward to us continuing the work for the kingdom. Amen. To my family that's present. To my Mount Pilgrim family that's here, thank you for coming. Amen. And then to my other friends who have come to share. There is a word from the Lord, lest I keep you too long. First Thessalonians verses, chapter five, verses 16 through 18. In the King James Version, it says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then if we look at the Message Bible, it says, Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belongs to him. And I thought for this afternoon, are you thankful no matter what? Are you thankful no matter what? Eternal God, our Father, we come before you now to another preaching moment. We come now, Lord, asking for preaching power, God, that we can speak to your people. And Lord, we ask that you would forgive me for any sins, God. And Lord, that I would speak what you would have me to say. And it is the precious name of Jesus the Christ we pray. Amen. Are you thankful, no matter what? In the stressful and troubled world in which we live, it can seem difficult for us to find something to be thankful for. When we listen to the news and we read the paper, it's mostly always bad news that's reported. 45 in the White House, violence, police brutality on blacks, injustices running rampant, black on black crime at an all high. Family problems all sounds familiar. We look at our phone and we're wondering what's going to pop up next, a new headline, a shooting in the school. But then Paul says, he says, no matter what, in this chaotic world that we call home, when darkness is glooming around us, as believers, we cannot afford to neglect our spiritual walk with our Heavenly Father who reminds us in his words of his promises, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. An ever-present help in the time of trouble. No weapon formed against us shall prosper, which brings us to our text. Paul, the writer of our text, his purpose for the writing this letter, there were rumors about Jesus returning in the church at Thessalonica. Some believed he had already come. So Paul wrote the book to inform the church when and how Jesus would return. He also wrote to show Christians how we ought to be living as a holy people. And here near the end of the writing, he exhorts the church to be thankful in all circumstances. Paul admonishes us with three commands. Let's just call them marching orders. And you do know what marching orders are? An authoritative orders of instructions because they always apply to every Christian in every situation, no matter what. 
The Greek makes it very clear because these imperatives are all in the present tense. You could translate continually rejoice, continually pray, and continually give thanks. And then in verse 16, he says, be cheerful no matter what. In spite of what's going on in your life. He's not saying that we're to be happy about what's going on. He's not saying rejoice in our difficulties. But he is saying rejoice in the Lord. Biblically, joy is the knowledge knowing that God is in control of our circumstances. And aren't you glad that no matter what goes on, that God is in control? He says be cheerful. Rejoice always. Not every now and then, but always. And then James says, count it all joy when trials come. It's not the trials that bring joy. It's not what the trials that bring joys. But it's what God is doing for us through those trials. You see, God uses trials to purify our faith and develop our character. Well, how do you know God can answer prayers if he never answered the prayer? How do you know God works if you've never been through the storm to see that God can bring you out? God uses trials to test and prove and strengthen our faith. Nothing catches God off guard. Nothing catches him by surprise. God knows everything. And as believers, we can have this joy. We sing that song, this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away. As long as we have faith in a sovereign God. However, the joy I am speaking of can only come from God. Doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. He says be cheerful no matter what. When we think of the goodness of God and all that he's done for us. Our soul cries out, hallelujah. When the devil thought he had us and he wanted to take us out, but God stepped in in the right time. Be thankful. Be cheerful no matter what. And then he moves on to verse 17. He says, and then the apostle Paul admonishes us, pray all the time. Pray always. Pray all the time. Men ought to always pray. If you don't pray, you're going to faint. He says pray continuously. Now, we know that we can't pray 24-7. But prayer should be a natural occurrence in our lives. It should be as natural and regular as breathing. But, of course, you do know many of us use prayer like a spare time. We only pray when it's needed. When trials arise in our lives, then we all of a sudden remember. Like when the disciples was on the boat with Jesus and he was asleep. And they remembered that he was in the hinder part of the ship. So we, some of us, we pray as a last resort. When we remember that God is there. But can I tell you, God is there all the time. All the time. However, we ought to develop a lifestyle of prayer, frequently communicating and talking to God. And then don't you know when you pray and you put everything in his hands that that's all you can do? And do you know that's all you need to do is just put it in his hands? Because we say prayer changes things. But let me tell you, church, it's not just a cliche. Prayer changes things. Even in the midst of our trials, when we're going through, we may not always get the answer that we desire. But let me tell you something. It's not about the answer that we desire. Because if God is our Heavenly Father, and God knows what's best in our lives, and even when we pray, sometimes he may say no. Sometimes he may answer yes, and sometimes he may just not answer But let me remind you, even when you don't hear him, God is still at work. Even when he may seem silent, God is working on our behalf. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He is our supreme example of prayer. And what it means to pray, scripture records Jesus prayed regular. What about you and I? 
Jesus prayed in the garden. Jesus prayed before the 5,000. He prayed from the cross. Pray without ceasing. And then finally we get to verse 18. Thank God no matter what happens. Now I want you to think about that for just a minute. Thank God no matter what happens. Now church, when you can thank God no matter what happens, no matter how it happens, no matter how it comes in our lives, you got to be grounded. You got to be grounded in the word of God, and you got to be filled with his spirit. You can't go on what your mama said. You can't go on what the preacher said. You got to have a personal relationship with our father. You ever heard the saying, where the rubber meets the road? There are some situations in our lives that will come. And if we stay here, they shall come. And do you realize there are some situations that will not our very foundation from underneath us? And then what do you do? And then I look at the believers. We've been in church all of our lives, and I'm not trying to talk about anybody. We've been in church all of our lives. And do you know when you come here on Sundays and Wednesdays, you come to get your firepower? That's what you come to get. Because you see, we're going to have problems. As long as we live on this side, John 16, 33 say, in me, you might have peace. But you're going to have trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer. The only way, you have to be grounded. Because we don't know the doctor come in and say, you got two months. What do you do? Do you fall to pieces? What do you do when the doctor comes and says, I can't do nothing else for you? But can I tell you, there's another doctor above all doctors. And you go down on your knees and you talk to a sovereign, a holy God. We think we're strong, but we're not strong aside from the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. God said he was going away to prepare a place for us. And he said, I'm coming back to receive you. So pray, no matter what. We see what's going on in this world. We don't need to be concerned about President Trump. God has commanded us that we pray for those who in authority. We pray for Donald Trump. But you see, sometimes God has to use some Donald Trumps to bring us back to our first love where we need to be. If we would pray as much as we talk about Donald Trump, there would be no need to worry about Donald Trump. Because don't you know God is in control of even Donald Trump? And when he's ready for Donald Trump, Donald Trump is not lost. Pray. Paul says, rejoice always. And you rejoice because you know God is love and the Savior is there. And then he said, pray always. And even if you don't seem to get your answer, even if it's not the answer, ask God to help you to accept his will. Ask him to help you because, see, God doesn't change his will according to us. God is God. And then God says, I'm a jealous God. And then he says, pray. No matter your whatever your no matter what's are, we all have some no matter what's. We all struggle through some things and some problems. But I want you to be reminded that God is able. God is able, I tell you. God is able to keep you from falling. God can do anything but fail. There is no secret what God can do. Because what he's done for others, he'll do for you. I thank him this morning. I thank him for his goodness. I thank him for keeping me when I couldn't keep myself. I thank you, God. What would we do without a God on our side? Remember, no matter what comes your way, and we're going to have problems, but take it to the problem solver. God is able to keep you.
Hallelujah, Lord. There's some preaching in this house tonight. Yeah, there's a word from the Lord in this house tonight for each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for these preachers who have certainly blessed our hearts, poured out their soul. We've heard from God. We've heard from God in this place tonight. And it's amazing to me how, through God's word, he has a message for each and every one in the building. We don't have to leave this place the way we've come, as these preachers and deacons come tonight. We have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to, to respond to God's word. Why don't you stand as a church as we pray for one another and as we invite those who may be outside of the ark of safety tonight. Some, the Spirit of the Lord is moving on right now, who may be outside, who may be wondering, what is this all about? You've been invited or you keep coming, and there's something that's tugging on your heart. This is the time that we offer and you respond, and we're offering Jesus to you right now. You've heard the preacher, he said, if you confess with your mouth and believe that God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, then you're saved. We invite you now to come and be a part of God's family, to say yes, not to us, but to say yes to God. The preachers are waiting to walk with you. The deacons are waiting to receive you. Our church family is waiting to embrace you if you're in the building tonight. This is a serious moment for no man knows the day or the hour in which he will return. The reality is there's a possibility we don't get out the door to get back in the car. We want to make sure that you've been offered. If you're in the building, come tonight. Come tonight if you're in the building. You may come confessing Christ as your Lord and Savior and wanting to be baptized. The other invitation that we want to share tonight is for those who have confessed Christ as their Lord and Savior but you need a church home. You need a church family that will embrace you. You need to be where there's preaching and teaching of the uncompromised word of God. We extend that invitation for you to join this family that believes in holistic ministry and in kingdom building work. If you're here tonight, we want you to come. Would you come? Just stretch your hand forward as we pray for these two. And if there's a whisper or prayer that you need to do for others and yourself, let us say amen. Let us all say amen together. Amen. We are grateful to God for what our eyes have seen and for what our ears have heard, for what our hearts have felt as we have been a part of this worship experience. Uh, these associate ministers have worked diligently 
and uh, they have given of themselves completely to uh, the training that has been offered here uh, over the last uh, several months. And we are delighted to provide them with an opportunity to share the gift that God has placed within them. And as the old preachers used to say, you don't learn how to preach except by preaching. Uh, can't nobody teach you how to preach out of a book. First of all, the Lord has to put something in you. And then you have to have the opportunity to cultivate the gift that God has placed within us. So we are grateful for this opportunity tonight. We're grateful for those of you who have come uh, to share, uh, not just tonight, but over uh, the month of August. We have one more Wednesday night of Fresh Fire on next Wednesday, uh, beginning at 6.30. And we would encourage you to come back and share with us in that worship experience and invite others to come and share with us as well. Amen? May we stand together, please. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Bringing glory. Ah, Jesus. Oh, Satan had me bound. Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound. Jesus lifted me. Satan had me bound. Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me.